This is not a segment. This is not an interview. This is March and the celebration of college basketball. Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Luke Neer, and honored to be joined by the two college hoops minds I hold in higher esteem than anyone else, legitimately. One of them you know as the cerebral author of the Screen the Screener podcast with his partner, Mike Randall, a humble savant, a servant of the people, the mid-major maestro, the one and only Gus Kearns. The other is a guy named Vegas Mike, who I met who knows how long ago. That's... <laughs> That's all I need to what say. An, what an intro. What an intro. My, my yes. pal and business partner. But gentlemen, I talk to you two individually so frequently, but this is a reunion of the ages. So much love. Gus, thanks for joining. Oh, uh, it's an honor to share the airwaves you know, with your listeners and, of course, with Vegas Mike. I, I kind of can't wait to talk some college hoops among the three of us so that like everybody can kind of listen in and, and see what our college basketball minds like stew up. Mike, right, you just right. can't help yourself. Let out whatever is in that full heart of yours right now. Does it get any better than this? I mean, for us and for the listeners, I mean, it's just a moment of joy and, you know, you can just feel it. it the weather has changed. It's 70 degrees outside. March Madness is beginning. I mean, the flowers are blooming both inside of us and outside in the world. So that's my, I feel like Bill Walton, my goodness, but it, it's March. So I'm excited. So my role here is to facilitate and let you two invent the next wheel in the context of college basketball. But I still believe part of my destiny is to prevent you two from going off a ledge and selecting South Dakota State to the national title game. So that's why I'm here. (laughs) We're going to start with the big picture. Selfishly, I want to hit another national champion. It's not been that difficult since 2017 Carolina. 2018 Villanova was a layup. Virginia, then Baylor. Uh, this past time out. So question mark for this current rendition. Gus, earlier on in the year, you and the rest of the community were spreading the word about Tommy Lloyd's program, and I was hesitant. When I saw the margins of victory stack up, when I saw the record, the resume, and the comeback against UCLA, and a coronation in the Pac-12 title game, I was convinced, they're my team. Are you there, or do I have to pull you off Gonzaga? You're going to have to pull me off the Zags, but I'm just going to back up your Arizona vote here. And the reason I'm going to back up your Arizona vote is because if you go ahead and look at the check marks of what makes a great team, what's going to make a national champion, of course, you're going to check the metrics. Check, check for Arizona. You're going to check, do they have an NBA player? Yeah, check, check, check. They might have three or four. Do they have a lead guard? That's where I have a little pause. Look. I love for Creason. Is he healthy though? You don't if think it's healthy, Matherin? I'm sorry? You don't think it's Matherin? You don't think he could be the guy? Oh no, Matherin can be the guy. But if we're gonna run point guard here and you need to like, you know, run get into your offense and get into your sets, and if he's not running stuff, are they gonna play at that frantic pace that they normally play at? Hmm. I'm not doubting that Matherin can be the guy. I'm fully convinced of that. He you I you can make an argument that he could be a top five pick in the NBA draft. I'm cool with that. But if he's not healthy, that's where I draw pause. Every other checkbox, I'm down with Arizona. Mike. Mm. Well, I mean, it's hard to come off of Gonzaga, right? But I mean, right. I think no, it's, that not. The, it's not for me. It, it's not for you. I mean, I, it's hard for me. But I think if you are going to come off of that, um, you know, I think that we have to realize that this year was very different than last year and even the past two years in that these – 
I think we're really going to see the power of head coaching in, in this uh, championship tournament. I think these teams have been able to spend all year together. Last year was so truncated. I think you saw Hall of Fame coaches and their value kind of minimized. And I think you see that no more in no other place greater than in Kentucky. You know, I think with Cal and his team, obviously their team was terrible last year. Um, this year, totally renovated team, totally revitalized. And they they do check a lot of boxes. You know, I mean, I think, you know, you talk about guard play. I mean, I think that the country will be introduced to Ty Ty Washington um, during this tournament. I think a lot of them are not familiar with him. Shibwe, the dynamic big, has gotten a lot of press. But watch Ty Ty Washington and watch the graduate transfer, Kellen Grady, and his ability to close and hopefully hit shots, right? Like he's he been such a great recruit, such a great player. Can he hit shots in the tournament? But I like Kentucky team. I like this Kentucky team, especially at what's now eight to one in Vegas for a national championship. Yeah. I like how we're coming at this from different angles, though, in all different regions as well. The only thing that I am worried about with this Arizona pick is the Tennessee team. And I've told Mike on multiple occasions, I think Tennessee is a black hole where a lot of teams just go to die. Um, <laughs> Kentucky's gone to die there. Texas A&M, who was hot as heck, went to die there. Who else? Auburn, even though they had, what, an eight, nine-point halftime lead, they went to die there. So that's the only team I'm a little bit worried about. Listen, I, I was hoping you would bring this up as a topic on this particular conversation because you have me won over as, like, do I really want to trust the coaching bench Tennessee. Okay. Like I I was, I was high somewhere. And then Luke, you talked me way down the ladder. And then the other team that I I feel like I'm a little high on, but I can't convince myself to get there is also Iowa. Oh no, no, you're in good company. You're amongst friends here. Okay. Yes, that's right. You're you're in a safe space, please. (laughs) But but I, I want to get there with Tennessee. So I might need some convincing on your end. To tell me it's okay. I've got it's it for okay you. It's okay that I, I like they can have three-point guards on the floor at the same time. It's okay <laughs> well, yeah. that that they might have like one of the most underrated six men in Fulkerson coming off yeah. the bench to be impactful. It's okay. It's okay to trust them. You're thinking about the elephant in the room. I can't get there. And you know what? The elephant in the room has aged so rapidly. I don't know if you've seen Rick Barnes on the bench. He looks like a different person. Oh, boy. He looks yeah. like a different person. So for me and Mike, he is a different person, okay? And Mike also brought up a great point. Brad Underwood is the new Rick Barnes. He's going to fulfill that role, and Rick is going to have all that off his uh, shoulders, even though he has made one Final Four. Let's not forget about that. One Final Four. So, yeah, I like the Tennessee I mean, team, but yeah. Guess, I, can you believe that Brad Underwood has never been to a second weekend in his entire coaching career? Yes and no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it about- seems like... It, yeah, it seems, seems like, like it should have happened success. already. Yeah, right, I'm, I'm totally right. with you, Mike. It yeah, seems like it should have happened already. A... He's had talent there. Yeah, obviously he has talent again. You know, the AP team were just released and Kofi Coburn is all over that. So right. you you, you want to say like, oh, well, you know, oh, he has Illinois rolling. He has Illinois right. rolling during the regular season. Does he have Illinois rolling in March? I think that's the big question for Illini right. fans. Yeah. Right. I mean, I I have three criteria for a team that can win the national championship. Okay. One is you got to be rolling. You have to be playing at or near your peak. Okay. Mm. You, this is people always say, Oh yes, you want to be peaking at the end. Yes. This is the time when you want to be playing your best basketball Two, I mean, you have to know exactly who you are. You know, you can't be, for instance, a Duke who doesn't quite know exactly where they are. They began as a defensive minded team. They've lost themselves. They, 
now they're a team that kind of pushes pace and shoots too many threes and kind of goes one-on-one with Paolo when they really need buckets. You know, that's not really an identity. Their identity is the Coach K uh, closing tour. You know, I mean, they don't have a team identity. And the third thing that you, I think you really need is you need a closer. You need yep. somebody in those close games because like every major sport that you see in America, it's always going to come down to just a handful of possessions, a handful of instances. And I feel like the team right now that you touched on earlier, Gus, that really does a lot of that is Iowa. I mean, Iowa really does that. They know exactly mm-hmm. who they are and they have Keegan Murray, maybe the best player right now in the country. In you my can, mind, you can make um, an argument for that, Mike, no doubt. Yeah. So, I mean, that to me is just an exciting team that I think you can really get behind. And another thing about Iowa is Bohannon is playing much better than he did last year, which I think is a huge plus for them. And I think Fran is willing to let this team go in a different direction than his previous renditions. They, they're they guarding a little bit better than last year. I know the metrics don't back it up. Well, they're, what, around 85th in Kempom, 90-ish area? Well, with that, a little better, than, little better than that, Luke. But the best offense of the country, in my estimation, I, I know they're right around three in Kempom, but I, I would not want to go against that offense compared to anybody else, and that's putting Gonzaga and Arizona into the mix as well. So that leads me to my next point. A little bit of that, what is Iowa doing defensively? What are some of these other teams doing which doesn't necessarily make sense on the metrics card? So I'm going to start, and how this is how we're framing our discussion. Tell me something I don't know about this field. Tell me something that everyone else is not getting or not at least throwing out into the wind. And I'm going to start in the context of two teams. Uh, The case for St. Mary's and Virginia Tech at the second weekend. Playing bigger than they actually are. St. Mary's and Virginia Tech, just two example teams, despite not appearing to have a whole lot of size, have a mystical ability to create walls. The St. Mary's Clinic was on display against Gonzaga in part two in Moraga and in yep. the WCC title game all the way up until about the five-minute mark. Gus and I were texting during that game, which was hilarious, and then yes. Gonzaga went on a, a 10-0 run or something. I felt terrible. I felt, yeah, anyway, so much shame. <laughs> I could. I need to see that text thread. I'm sure you're just, like, hanging your own banners at that point. There are emojis flowing back and forth. I'm, what a mess. <laughs> I'm not a big emoji guy, Mike, but I'll tell you what. <laughs> Luke was feeling pretty good when they were down. <laughs> really good. I, I yeah. felt very vindicated. I, I'm not going off of them, but you know, Virginia <laughs> Tech found a way to neutralize the Duke bigs by staying home and staying in front, even though they don't have that much size. And the guards and mutts were able to give aid to Aluma. Mark Williams only had three shot attempts in the entire game. The entire title mm-hmm. game, he had three attempts. He made them all, but they have a knack for limiting dangerous post touches. Also, manipulating rhythm, teams like that are going to make you work on both ends, perhaps deliberately, perhaps due to style. This can lead to frustration and disruption of rhythm feeding the post. So what I'm saying is these teams play bigger than they actually are. If you look at you know, their listings, Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. possession length, offense, 333rd. St. Mary's, 327th. And also elite attributes. Teams like this have elite attributes, St. Mary's cleans the glass at an elite level, even though they're not the biggest team. They do have Toss. I'm not, not going to deny that he's a big guy. But fourth right. in the country in defensive rebounding per camp bomb. Virginia Tech's elite skill is three-point shooting on the other end. They're third in the country in three-point shooting. Weaknesses, they both have the same weakness. They don't, don't get to the line often. And you know what? I'm actually fine with that in an NCAA tournament scenario because I'd prefer shot-making 
as opposed to teams who are dependent on whistles and a tournament setting. As we know, play gets more physical in the big dance, and generally, they don't call it as tight, right? Gus? These are great points, and it leads me to a, a conversation that we'll probably get to a little bit later in the segment in, in, in the discussion. And when you can identify those markers that create a style that's unique. Co-hosts mm-hmm. for the Screen to Screener College Basketball Podcast, Mike Randall, always says he, he wants a unique style. He wants a unique characteristic that is very definable in matchups. And then he can key off of that. And you did the exact thing right there. You, you, you identified both Virginia Tech and St. Mary's that they have a very unique characteristic and, and personnel profile that are, it has caused problems the entire season. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, it's not like a thumbnail sketch that we have a large <laughs> canvas of how these two teams operate and how they have found success. And it's also hard to describe because it's as if they're creating a wall, even though I don't necessarily have all the game film or tape to back it up. But Hmm. if you stack up a team against either of these two, you say, Oh wait, they're just going to go inside and they're going to demolish them on the glass or on, on in the post. It just doesn't happen. And then, right. And then it magically does not happen. Somehow they build a wall. I don't know. Mike, what do you think about all this? Well, I mean, I, I think you make a great point about St. Mary's. I mean, there's, I don't know a lot of people that are really looking at St. Mary's right now because all they can see is UCLA. You know, they're just blinded by, you know, Johnny Juzang and, you know, Juarez and everybody else. Um, Juarez, you, know, I just, you did it again. Did I do it again? Did I call him Juarez again? Yes, you oh, did it again. Goodness. Yeah, Miles Jaime Johnson and everybody Haquez. else. Okay, yes, <laughs> Haquez, that's who you're referring, you're referring to. You're my playing goodness. Mario Kart um, again in your mind. It's like Wario. <laughs> but all they, all they see is UCLA in the Sweet 16. That's all anybody sees right now. And I tell you, you know, if – if St. Mary's is able to beat whoever they're going to play from the play-in game, I guess that's probably being played now, you know, Wyoming or Indiana. Um, hopefully not Indiana for St. Mary's. I think that they're going to, you know, alter that game against UCLA and I think could very easily win. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm glad that you're highlighting St. Mary's here. Um, if you want to talk about something that I value, yes, you know, and I kind of uh, touched on this earlier, but, you know, I think there are only a handful of teams that really have, you know, a true culture of final four and elite eight experience. And I think there are some of these teams, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, like Villanova, you know, they've been there recently. Um, one that, you know, you and I talk about a lot, Luke, is Texas Tech, right? I mean, you know, they went in 2019, they played UVA mm-hmm. in that championship, played them tough. And that, that, that team mantra that took Texas Tech to that game is still in place today. And it is driving that team with a team of transfers. Like how great is it that Texas Tech has that culture already there and transfers can just slot right into it and they absorb it and they are already. Yeah, O'Banner is number one for me, yeah. Yeah, and you're gonna you're gonna see them carry that through in this tournament. I see them going far. And one team that nobody's really talking about. Oh, don't you do it! That I think that you're gonna be upset about. You go ahead, have your party. Why isn't anybody talking about Michigan? Why isn't anybody talking about Michigan? That's even more of a travesty. Which I thought you were gonna say the V word, but go ahead. (laughs) No, no, no! I'm talking about Michigan. I mean, you're talking about a team that lost to UCLA for a chance to go to the Final Four last year. I mean, I thought that they were. I think that they are a a winning team. You know, I know that they've struggled this year, but look, they have only two losses to non NCAA tournament teams. Okay, they've lost to quality opponents. Their three point shooting is coming online. Eli Brooks is starting to hit a lot more. 
Houston's hitting a lot more. They're playing with grit. You know, the Dewan Howard thing kind of galvanizes them. Come on, guys, let's get on board. Who's looking at Michigan? Everybody's telling me about David Roddy in Colorado State. Everybody's telling me about the black hole of Tennessee. You know what, man? When the rubber hits the road, Tennessee doesn't have anybody to get a big shot. You are serving up a rebuttal on a platter, Gus. Please fire back. Please, the floor is yours. What, what, one of the things that I, I, we, we've been preaching on the podcast is we, we, you know, the AP didn't listen to us, but it's okay, everybody. You can put David Roddy on an All-America team. You can even <laughs> put him on an All-America team over Hunter Dickinson. That's yes. okay. Mm-hmm. We're giving your full mm-hmm. permission to do and he that. he deserves it. That, that's how impactful he's been as a player. But, uh, Absolutely. Uh, Mike, you, br- you bring up Michigan, and this is another, like, cluster of teams that – I've thought about, and this is the great thing about our sport. Um, Luke, I feel like you and I have discussed this a little bit previously where our sport provides like four opportunities for every program every year. And each one of those opportunities is unbelievably unique. I know everybody starts the season zero and zero. So everybody has the same opportunity. You can get things rolling. This is the season we're going to change. Okay, great. You have your non-conference schedule. If you schedule aggressively, you might have that opportunity to get that signature win. That's going to really a hold weight later on when you're in mm-hmm. selection Sunday in March, then you have yep. your, your tournament, uh, your, your conference regular season. Okay. So your non-conference didn't go well. Okay, fine. You're zero and 14 like Texas Southern. Okay. Let's go run the regular season and win that thing. Okay. Oh, the regular season didn't go well. Oh, okay. We have your conference tournament. Okay. We can reset things here and make it at, make it into March madness as a sub 500 team that like no other sport provides opportunity on so many levels to find success and the group of teams that I felt like need that restart and that fresh slate include a team that you guys are familiar with in the ACC Duke. They needed Mm -hmm. to get away from that retirement thing. They needed to get away from that Carolina game. They needed to get away from the pressure of an ACC tournament title LSU with their coaching shenanigans. They needed to get away from that and hit the restart button and Michigan as well. Like if those three teams can kind of like scrub everything clean <laughs> and then you know look at look at the matchup anew and like okay we're zero and zero right now we have the opportunity to win a national title the reset yeah yeah th- those three yeah. teams are really dangerous and any one of those teams can make it to the sweet 16 a final four or win a final or win the final game in in duke's in duke's case Okay, just yep. to recap those three points, I was talking about a, a mystical wall <laughs> that doesn't show up in your Ken Palm statistics that you should be aware of with certain teams. And don't just look at height. Don't just look at the big men from the other team. Mike was talking about Final Four culture, which I actually think is a good discussion point. Yes. Um, because we do see the usual suspects almost every single year. I, I don't want to rely on that solely, but it, it's a good point. And Gus, don't count out the teams who could hit the reset button. Correct. Because mm-hmm. it's yeah. effective. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to a few questions, okay? And this is more just affirmation. And I think I'm going to get it from you two, but I, I never know because we've got the mid-major bros on the podcast. But we, you guys also love... <laughs> The team I'm going to talk about, and this is a huge question for the second round. If it happens, I don't know if it's going to happen, but can you boat race Iowa? Is that the way to get them, or is it the complete <laughs> opposite? Do you need to knuckle bust them? Do you need to Tony bedded them? Do you need to deny the middle, you know, Texas Tech, Iowa, instead of boat race them with the best three-point shooting team in the country? Gus, we'll start with you. So, 
Oh, okay. Or Mike, Mike. Oh, Are you going to start with me on the Jackrabbits? I mean, maybe you need to educate your listeners here. Maybe you already have that uh, the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State are going to beat the Providence Friars. Um, and that should be the first thing that they do. And they should educate all their friends and family about it and then thank us later. I mean, so what you're alluding to is that maybe the most exciting college basketball game in history that will be played, which is going to be Iowa and South Dakota mm-hmm. State. I just wanted to set the stage for that. And now I would love to hear Gus's thoughts. <laughs> uh, number, number one, take the over. And, you know, Mike and I are completely on board uh, for, you know, Mike Randall and I are completely on board with South Dakota State. Are you and the serious? Jack Rabbits. My, absolute, Mike absolute. Randall has been the Providence truther all year and he's been rewarded for it. Absolutely. <laughs> you have to know when to get off the okay. train. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta walk away from the table. I like it. Very and, good. Call. And to be to be honest, gentlemen, when uh, we were lucky enough to go into MSG and view a lot of the Big East tournament, and we got to see that Providence waxing, and mm-hmm. and, and and we saw them the 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 day before play really well, really tough, really gritty, like typical Providence fashion. But mm-hmm. then when they were playing this, you know, when they were playing this Creighton team who has minus their point guard who was the freshman of the year inside the big east and they still found a way to like get up and down on them and then defend them really well so Mm -hmm. i I think it might be time to get off the bus for providence but then to speak to your point mike about the greatest game take the over there and and luke to your question uh how do you beat them do you boat race them do you try to lock them down yeah to be honest i think it's matchup dependent do you have a wing that's going to be able to give Murray issues. Can you guard the three-point line well? Those are the two things where you're going to get Iowa. If you don't have those two things, guess what? They're going to outshoot you and outscore you. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it makes an interesting scenario in the Midwest because if Auburn does get the act together, I think they have the defensive prowess to deal with Iowa. I just don't think they're skillful enough. I really about, don't. So are we are we scared of this Kansas matchup with Iowa? Yeah, or not? I'm terrified. Oh. I, my Iowa oh, future yeah. to the Final Four, I'm terrified because Kansas just seems like one of those plodding along teams who you want to go against, you want to get sexy against, and when you try to get cute, they just – I mean, the Texas Tech final and the Big 12 tournament is the perfect you know case scenario, right, Mike, where – You'd love to just say, okay, I'm a believer in the Red Raiders, and I think the Jayhawks are just overvalued. They're a public team. But then again, they just, you know, they grinded out the win. Right. And it's also about, you know, everything that I, I mean, one is kind of the Hall of Fame coaching that we had talked about before, right? Self has had this team all year and they're kind of, they're rolling at the right time. And, you know, you just see it right now in Kansas. The other is Iowa fans, you know, I, we had talked um, before off air about, I had just come from a pickup basketball game, made it rain uh, just for the record. I want that on air. Don't edit that out. Um, But you know, one of the guys I play with huge Iowa fan, huge Iowa fan had his cutoff Iowa shirt on, you know, so I'm chatting him up about kind of what, what his expectations were going into the tournament and how, 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 what he's looking for going forward. He says he doesn't even normally watch the big 10 tournament. He's so conditioned to losing and, and not playing well. This, I mean, he's an alum. He seems like he's been there forever. Uh, you know, and, and that's not wholly true. You know, Iowa has, um, has had some runs, but, um, it, but that just tells you a little bit about Iowa's mentality going into that Kansas game. That's in the I Midwest. Know. Kansas is, 
it's just an insurmountable monster that you it's a, it's a mythical figure of that these Midwest teams. So I don't I'm I'm terrified for Iowa but in that match. Sometimes it'll be broken. It's you know Virginia broke it, Villanova broke it. People forget that everybody was ragging on Villanova um pre their their title. You know, everybody great, said great okay, they'll great get out. Luke. Yeah, they'll lose in the mm-hmm. second round. We know this yep. Jay Wright, blah, blah, blah. And then it gets broken all of a sudden. And it will right. be broken for Gonzaga one year. I, and I think a lot of that has been broken because they have, have two final appearances. And, and you can't really rag on a program who has two final appearances, right? Correct. correct. So mm-hmm. I right. think a lot of Gonzaga is broken. And I, I don't really buy into the pressure that they have. I just don't think they're as good as uh, some of the other teams in the dance. But that's just me. Guys, I have a question for both of you. Um, do you feel like Kansas and Bill Self specifically is going to have some unique urgency to this particular season and this particular run because he might have some insider information about what might be coming next down the road, whether they'll be eligible or not eligible, uh, not dissimilar from Oklahoma State this past season? Do you think that mm-hmm. that is is a not a motivation factor, but do you think that's part of the thought process there? I think he'd be gone if he knew that. I think he would have okay. left for an NBA job. All right, all right, yeah, uh, for yeah. An NBA no, those are those are you know those are a plenty for him if you would like them. Yeah. I, I, these coaches are smarter than you think. I mean, they're thinking about their paycheck as well. Look at Mike White. Right, I was going to say, yes, yeah, yeah. It's like I'm on the hot seat. I'm going to take over the Georgia program. Give me a five year contract, <laughs> whatever you know. So I'm not too worried about that. Uh, interesting. But, I just I, I just want to know hear your take on that to see if that was a that was a thing or a talking point or I mean, maybe Kansas like a bullet point that we want to talk about. A brand and you know Allen Fieldhouse and that fan base, and you know somebody who's covered the Atlantic Coast Conference for so long. Duke had much greater you know scars that could have been overtaken, and they were just warded off. And I know that self isn't that type of icon that you know Kay is, but I, I think he'll just ward it off. But that's just mm-hmm. just me. All right, back to the dance, guys. Uh, who are our children? This is how. So for Gus, this is how Vegas Mike and I have been framing a lot of our discussions. Who are our favorites? Who are our children? Right when the bracket came out, Mike texted me. He's like, "Ha, oh, my children are playing against each other. I hate it so much." <laughs> so who are our children? I'll start with mine. I think I've been very transparent about this. I love the Gales. I love the yep. Davidson Wildcats. You know. Um, let me think who else I have on my list. Those are probably my top two as non-blue blood, non-contenders. Who I, and I, I've sort of been sucked into this Tennessee thing recently. But And, and Texas Tech. Uh, obviously, I have a huge ticket on Texas Tech 35-1, you know, which I got a long time ago, which is great. And, and then it dipped down, and then it rose back up. But Mike... Can you rehash your children or tell me your new children? Because, Gus, it changes every single day, and I, I'm really curious to see <laughs> where he is now. Well, I mean, my, my oldest child um, is uh, beloved. from probably five or six years ago is Loyola, and it's good to see them back. You know, it's like seeing them in each um, phase of their life. You know, I feel like they've gone off to college or something now, but I Loyola is a to, team. I've got to toot your horn for a second for Gus because he wasn't around for this conversation. <laughs> But Mike Jaffe on our podcast, which, you know, hopefully at least, you know, a, a thousand plus, a couple thousand listened to, <laughs> called Loyola I, Chicago. I, I was one of the thousand. Making I appreciate that. the yeah. final four. And this is in, I don't know, January. So yeah, continue with your children. You talk about your beloved. Thank you. 
Hey, I appreciate that. So, I mean, this is my oldest child, I guess. Um, but, you know, they're going to be str- playing against a struggling Ohio State team. Um, you know, they, I think, I assume that uh, Porter Moser didn't take the wall with him, you know, the wall of um, culture with him when he went to Oklahoma. I'm sure they still uh, read that every day um, in Loyola. And, you know, they they don't quite, I mean, obviously they lost their their heart and soul, Krutwig, um, last year, who was just imagine Nikola Jokic, but you know, six, seven, barely with a great mustache. Um, <laughs> you know, they lost him, so they don't really have that facilitator there. They also lost their uh, starting center, but you know, they're not they're not a team that I think is going to make the Final Four. But I think they will beat Ohio State, and I think they'll really give Villanova a run. Villanova likes to play it slow. I think it's going to be a pretty tight game. So I mean, that's one that I have a little eye on there, and then. Um, you know, a team that Luke, you and I have talked about, and I don't know if it's because I don't like Illinois or because I do like Chattanooga, <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm a Mox man. Right. I mean, you know, I'm a Mox man to the core. Malachi, I think they come out. I, I think they shocked the world for the second time. Illinois is going out for the second time in a row. Brad Underwood has never made it to the second weekend of the tournament. The streak continues. Uh, so Chattanooga would be my second. Are they going to shock or are they going to mock the world? That's the question. Just oh, look at world. you. That's how, my how sign. How dare you <laughs> disrespect this? Hashtag those. that, please, Luke. Hashtag that. <laughs> All right, guys. I mean, this is the big reveal. Who are your children? Uh, well, the first one <laughs> might be a little bit of surprise, but I think, to be honest, it's one of my favorite picks in the first round. Vermont is definitely going to beat Arkansas. Oh, finally! Finally, Vermont, they finally get over the hump. They and it's a, and there's still a Duncan brother there. There's a Duncan brother. <laughs> Steph Smith, unfortunately, bailed, which I hate, but let's continue. Uh, they have the player of the year in the conference like they do most years in Ryan Davis. He is now healthy again. He wasn't healthy during the season. Here are some cool things about Vermont that, you, you know, you kind of pay attention to. Number one, they have been trucking everybody like in that tournament and the last couple of games. I mean, those margins of victory cannot be ignored. No. Right. The second thing is if you dig a little bit deeper and you pay attention to how they play, like you, like we discussed earlier of like culture and, and, and what, what kind of style you have, guess what? They have one of the most defining styles, one of the most successful styles Mm -hmm. in the whole entire field. One of my favorite places to go check is uh, with Evan Miyakawa. You can check him out at Evan. Great resource, yeah. Um, Mia, yeah, on Twitter. Please do that if you don't do that already. He's fantastic. Um, and he has a stat where he tracks the top five starting lineups or the top five most productive lineups. Vermont has one of the top five most productive lineups in the nation. Wow. Wow. With Ryan Davis included, of course. Then if you go over to shot quality and you take a look at the quality of shots that Vermont takes and makes, they are also a top five team in the nation for the shot quality that they take in game. With Mm. those two things in mind and the player of the year in the conference, and you know that they're going to be a pain in the tuchus, all we have to do is look at recent history. When Purdue had Biggie Swanigan, they were within 10 points of that first round game. Uh, and if we go a little bit further back, uh, you know, they were within shouting distance of, of a team from your uh, neck of the woods, Florida, Florida state. state. Yeah. They, 
in that right. particular game with Anthony Lamb. They were right there with Lamb, right. and that Florida they, State you know team just drilled Ja in the next round. So that was not a a slouch Florida State team either. No, no, not at all. I mean that that was right. Ja, ja triple double land, I think. Um, and and, yeah. and and they're due. They're due for a breakthrough, and it's going to happen this year. Mike. Wow, I love it. That makes me so happy. I mean, I mean, I just. I love I love John Becker. I think he's done. He's he's been doing all the right things there forever. Phenomenal. You know, I just and I I'm I would be so thrilled for Vermont if they were able to win this game. I mean, Arkansas towards the end of the year has just looked so gassed. They're just so tired. You know, Note I feel like is doing everything. They can't really shoot the basketball. I mean, you know, I if and and they just kind of are forcing turnovers in order to create offense. They're up running up and down the field. These are going to be it's going to be two teams that are a total polar opposite ends of Correct. the game of basketball right now. You know, Vermont just this model of efficiency and just playing this pure game, this beautiful game. And Arkansas which just willing their way and they can do it. They can do it sometimes. I mean, mm-hmm. but it, I I I love the pick um and I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah. Um Arkansas for, sure. for me is a little bit like a poor man's Kansas, which is somebody I want to go against, but I'm still guarded in the back of my mind to see how it plays out. If, if you guys know what I'm I'm sort of getting at. Now, the good thing is for Vermont is I think if you jump on Arkansas, this version, because everybody was jumping on them in the tournament last year and they found their way to fight back, I don't think this team can fight back like last year's game. So uh, Agreed. I don't think they have the exact same. I mean, we There's, saw Moody go into the, the mm-hmm. lottery. Uh, and, no and the reliance. transfer point guard that they had was unbelievably long and efficient and really, really impactful right. on the defensive end. Those pieces are gone. I mean, we love right. Williams in the post. Nobody's going to take more charges than him. Nobody's going to, you know, make, <laughs> uh, nobody's going to make more cerebral plays like in the paint than him. But I, I, right. besides Note, I'm happy Note got the notoriety that he rightly deserved as a right. All-America in the AP. But I don't, after that, are we kind of scratching our heads of where the next bucket's right. going to come from? Totally, totally. And now their transfer point guard that they have now is just a huge liability. Chris likes um, the oh, Miami I, transfer. Yeah. I, he, We're he familiar with been, his work, trust me. He, yeah, he has been a huge liability in the past 10 games. I mean, you can he just see play. the coaches pulling their hair out every time he pulls up in a transition three. Um, you know, and he turns the ball over too much. It, he's not what they need right now. Um, and unfortunately, they're probably going to fall because of it. All right, Vegas Mike, back to you. Who's another one of your children? I, I like this drill. We're just going to keep running back. <laughs> so I use one of them all. You want all the goods. I, I, huh? I've given my two. I've, I've said my piece. I want to hear from you two. So, I mean, you know, I I think I've told you this story before, Luke. It's almost about what what the waiter tells you not to order as much as it is about what you what you want. If you go and you say, "Hey, tell me what's good here," they're gonna be like, "Ah, everybody asked me that. I don't know." You know, if you say, "Hey, tell me what what I really shouldn't order," the waiter's really gonna be able to zero in on that. He's gonna say, "Oh no, the quesadilla. You can get that anywhere. You don't want that here." Um. So to me, when I'm looking at these matches, I'm saying, "Which teams do I think really will lose?" And I look at this Alabama team which is arguably the most inconsistent team in the country. I mean, I, it really was telling when I saw a Nate Oates interview earlier this week where he was <laughs> shouting at the media that um, this we've had an unbelievable year. We've had an unbelievable year. And they've beat – and he's right. They've beat great teams. They've beat great teams. Um, and he has to remind people how far Alabama's come. But you look at this Rutgers team or even a Notre Dame team that comes out of there, but I like Rutgers. 
I like Rutgers. Yes, I sir. like Geo Baker. All right, let's go. I there. like this. We, we gotta go there. We've, we've got the Jersey boys. Continue. Oh, I like this Rutgers team. I mean, they beat good teams. They have senior leadership. They can defend. They have game altering tempo altering play that can really lock you down. They make you uncomfortable. They don't let you shoot the ball. I yeah. mean, uh, oh, Rutgers is a nightmare. They've taken Luke's retirement money also. Yeah. So that's another action <laughs> over the course of so the that's, last year. That's and, been my adopted child from January on. Now, before January, you could have kept him, you know, like, but but after January, I've enjoyed their presence. So that's mine. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna back your Rutgers love here just with some hometown uh, hometown uh you know observation. They can beat anybody anytime. Yeah, they've proven right. that. Right, they 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 can beat the best team in the nation. They can beat the number one team in the nation, uh, i.e. Purdue. Uh, I know mm-hmm. it was on their home court, but they can beat anybody anytime. The key thing to pay attention here, and and this is what propels these teams on this magical run, or what ha- we can look at UCLA last year, or whatever example you want to pull from. Sometimes you need the guy to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Cliff or Murray is figuring it out in a big way. Mm-hmm. He might just like dunk and score <laughs> 15 points on dunks. He has right. definitely <laughs> figured this thing out and he's just kind of like scratching the surface right now. So if mm-hmm. he continues to make the next mini step or the next advancement in his game, yikes, this Rutgers team yeah. might be kind of scary. You got Ron Harper who can win a game in the last second that he's proven two times this year. So I, I'm right. with you on Rutgers. There's a lot of nice things to like about Rutgers. Plus, Peichel, he knows what he's doing. Right. So right. Paul is the guy I'm looking at for Rutgers, okay? Because that guy, for some reason, decides to get to the low block as a guard and just get layups. Or he decides to mm-hmm. just have a quick turnaround mid-range jump shot, which just goes in every single time. I, I know Here. all the love's going to go to Geo. It's all going to go to Harper Jr., but that's the guy I, I think is the put you over the edge of your records. Uh, Jersey mm. guy, uh, average a triple-double in high school. Mm. They stole some of Villanova's post-up guard offense and instituted it just for Yeah, him. the inversion. That's mm. great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. yeah. I love All right. that. Okay. I love that. We're back to Gus on the children. We got, we got a little bit more time, so let's go. Okay, so my next child <laughs> – <laughs> and we've been on them all season and we were uh you know lucky enough to talk to uh evan dudley uh during one of our preseason chats for uab mm-hmm. oh let's get mm. into it. it it's time oh. this needed to happen yeah. and it's oh. happening right now so the matchup you can't be in love with because houston has made the final four last season and they have you know we we, we discussed previously about winning cultures and, and coaches mm-hmm. that have been there before and programs that are are just models of success kelvin sampson right. has definitely you know stamped that on that houston program that's okay gus you know why because did you hear that noise everything mike said about culture has just gone out the window in this matchup <laughs> he is ready for uap he is ready so- to deny his thesis and <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not poo-pooing the thesis, but what I am saying, let's find the nuggets. If mm-hmm. you go back and look at what Houston has had problems with this season, it's been smaller guards. Yeah, if you look at that I SMU game with Kendrick yep. Davis, who is one of the best point guards in the nation, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. He lit them up for like 25, seven and seven or some, you know, insane stat line like that. And SMU sneaks out with the win. Are you mm-hmm. telling me that jelly can't do that for UAB <sighs> against this Houston team and come out with a line? I mean, we've seen him put up 30. We've seen him put up 35 plus. Right. right. I know that Houston's stout defensively, but he's the type of player that Houston necessarily doesn't have the arsenal to defend really well. You throw right. in Trey Jemison on the inside, who's going to mm-hmm. be like a little bit of a, a, a nuisance around the rim. And then you right. have a high major guard, uh, the, a transfer of KJ Buffin, and then a defensive ace in Quan Jackson. I, I love this UAB team in this matchup, even though Houston could be a team that you could argue could make another final four. Right, right. Uh, just letting that whole analysis wash over me. I mean, I haven't even taken a shower after playing basketball, but I don't need I don't need one anymore. I feel ready to go. That was uh, that gives me everything I need to hear because you're, you're so right. You know, Houston does struggle to uh, guard the smaller, quicker guards. They need to be playing against a Memphis, a bigger, more physical um, guard set. You know, I think that that's what they're kind of built for. Even even DeJulius at times for Cincinnati is, has had a lot of success against Houston. Um, And they're so reliant on that interior scoring. I mean, their team, when they're in trouble, is Fabian White, you know, and he's moving inside and outside. Who's been great, you know, and I've loved his his evolution um, at um, at Houston has been amazing. I mean, it's really a testament to their coaching staff. Um, But I just love UAB's ability to compete in this game. So I'm really glad that you highlighted them They're Yeah, they're a great team and they and they rank up well metrically as well. And what other note about Houston? I think that mentally after you've gone to a final four and, you know, they have some familiar faces. Obviously, they don't have Grimes. They don't have Jarrell. But when they lost Sasser, I thought that was a moment for them. And they rallied in the next couple of games. They blew out UCF on the road, which is not easy to do. So give them credit. But that was the that was the join the banner, get behind the banner, rally the troops type of an effort. And then it sort of faded in the SMU game and the Memphis game. And if you look at the rest of this bracket, I know that a college athlete or a competitor is never going to say this, but deep down you've got to look around and say, oh, man, like there's Villanova down there. Oh, wow, there's Tennessee mm-hmm. looming. Oh, gosh, Arizona's in a bracket. I, I just I don't know if there's going to be quite the belief factor that they maybe had a, a year ago when they had a nice draw. So I'm mm-hmm. with you guys there. Interesting. All right. Let's... Yeah, you kind of I, – I need I need one more second out here. I want to touch on <laughs> Quentin Grimes. The loss of Quentin Grimes is going to resonate throughout this tournament. That is their That was their main shot maker last year. When they needed buckets, they went to Quentin Grimes. And honestly, you touched a little bit on this earlier, the urgency for Bill Self. I think it happened with that departure of Quentin Grimes. Just like what pushed Roy Williams out, Walker Kessler leaving to go to Auburn, that Grimes – departure from Kansas shook Bill Self, I think. And it it made them I question so a little bit about what was happening there. And I think last year they turned it around and this year they're going full bore. So, you know, the impact of Quentin Grimes, I think, will be felt even here in 2022. Gentlemen, we got to wrap up with my favorite segment. Who's overrated? Who's undervalued? Undervalued, overvalued. Oh. <laughs> you can pick either or. But this is a great construct from anybody who's trying to fill out their bracket to somebody who's trying to Make a mm-hmm. wager or handicap the tournaments. We'll begin with Gus, and I'll actually take a turn in here. But I, I love—I oh, yeah. want to hear you too. Oh, I, I totally want to hear your overrated, underrated. I think maybe undervalued could be Connecticut. After mm-hmm. seeing them 
in the Big East tournament, they have the right pieces. They have R.J. Cole, Jersey Tough point guard, not going to get shook. They have Sonogo, mm-hmm. force inside, really hard to handle. They have Martin on the wing, 15 points, seven boards, 40% from three. They have players that they can rotate in and out. I really like their parts, plus Hurley is going to be like an absolute riot on the sidelines. And then I'm yeah. also going to go... He might get thrown out in the first half. Undervalued Creighton. Love them. I know we talked mm. a little bit previous. Love what they're doing. They're sneaky right now. And nobody, like everybody's going to just jump on the Aztecs and be like, oh, they're, they're going to defend really well. Guess what? Creighton's going to live inside that close game and be really comfortable because they just did that against Villanova. And are we saying that Matt Bradley is Colin Gillespie? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Are we saying that? So I, I, I kind of like Creighton as well as an uh, undervalued. And then maybe somebody that's overvalued. I love it. Here we go. It might be Wisconsin. Yeah. They can't shoot. Because yeah. everybody's kind of like writing the narrative like, oh, they're playing in Milwaukee. The place is going to be totally red. Like I've said this exact thing. Maybe yeah. maybe we need to pay attention to that Colgate <laughs> game. And yeah. maybe on, we need to pay attention to what LSU might be able to do. Them Speak next to round. me, mid-major maestro. Yes. Right. Let's not give up on Colgate yet. Oh, no, no. Right. Jack, Listen, Jack Ferguson, one of the most efficient players in the nation last season, fell off a little bit this season. They have Keegan records inside. They, they they've been here, done that, and uh, they're not gonna get free, they're not gonna get scared of like the slowdown pace if Johnny Davis isn't all the way a hundred percent. So that's my that's my oh, overvalued I love, team. I love, okay, here's what I'm gonna go with undervalued, and I've been thinking about this for the last twenty four thirty six hours. Have we all forgot about UCLA and mm. what they did last year, and the fact that they had an eight point lead against? my favorite to win the entire thing, Arizona mm-hmm. in the second half. Mm-hmm. Are we all just going to throw that out the window immediately? Mm-hmm. Yes. That doesn't. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Go St. Mary's, throw it out the window. Uh, I'm going to move for my child, but I'm just providing an alternative scenario for the rest of the listeners, you know. I'm, I'm not going to be rooting for them, but did we forget about UCLA and the fact that Hawkins can get his shot off anywhere he wants on the court. And Juzang, mm-hmm. too. If Juzang is cooking and, you know, Taylor in the last podcast brought up a great point. Tiger is actually shooting well from three this year. And and yeah. They have room protection, they there, have rebounding. There's, there's very few point guards that have a better assist to turnover ratio than Tiger does this year in the nation. He's probably top five, top seven. Reese Beekman. I'm sorry, I had to throw ratio. that in. Homer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Homer that Oh, I yeah. Your guy, your guy is like first or second. <laughs> Reese, right? yes, Reese is first. Yes, okay. Anyway, Mike. Overvalued, overvalued. Uh, I haven't done my overvalued, but I I'll let you have it for now. I, I mean, I feel like we've talked so much about like teams that are, are overvalued here, but you know, I want to harp again on Duke. I mean, I'll just bring up Duke. I mean, Please do. the Trevor, Trevor Keels and their lack of a point guard at Duke, the fact that they should have brought in Wendell Moore and moved him to the point a while ago, but they need his wing scoring too much. They need him off the baseline. They need Paolo working at the free throw line. 
in order to free him up and get points when they need him. I mean, I just don't like this Duke team. I mean, they're going to have many opportunities to lose. It'll be against Davidson and then again against, you know, Texas Tech. And then, you know, they're not, they're not just not getting out of the West. And a two to me is just not the right seating for them. I mean, I'll stay in the ACC for a uh, undervalued pick. I think Miami is incredibly undervalued. I mean, I think that they have great guard play. I think a lot of people are looking at the USC team last year that went to the Elite Eight. I think they're worried about their size. I mean, they do have good players there. I mean, Drew Peter, Drew Peterson, I think is his name. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I, yeah. Dynamic six, nine guard. I mean, but outside of that, I think Miami's going to live in the mid range. Mobley's not going to be able to block shots and the active hands of those Miami guards are going to turn Justin, over the bad, the bad USC guards. And I think they're going to give Auburn problems for the same exact reason. I mean, Auburn's going to, is not a guard dependent team. I think you could see Miami in the second weekend, um, and I think they're undervalued as well. Okay, I'm going to go with my overvalued, and then Gus is going to tell us, well, you guys are going to tell us a little bit of mid-major basketball to close because we're having too much fun, and, and I value your time, <laughs> but this is just, it's too much of a celebration. There's too much love going on. My, I'll be brief here because I want you guys to have the floor. My last team, my overvalued team, I gave you my undervalued team. My overvalued team is a team I actually had in my Final Four at the beginning of the year. And I, I've turned, I've pivoted. I think it's Purdue. There's just something not mm. right. Something is wrong. On paper, it looks great. Yes, you've got Stefanovic, who I would put mm. in a three-point shooting contest against pretty much anybody out there. Yeah, yeah. You've got Edie, who's a massive force of nature. You've got right. a backup, just in case the massive force of nature, you know, Jack and the Beanstalk, that's what I call him, Zach and the Beanstalk. Uh, is Zach not, and the Beanstalk. Yeah, Zach and the Beanstalk <laughs> is not having a day. Yeah, you've got a backup plan for that. You have Jaden Ivey, who's going to be you know a lottery pick. There's just something not right. It makes sense on paper. All the pieces fit together, but they haven't meshed. And I don't know if I look to Painter at that because I think he's a great coach. I think he's one of the best coaches in the country, but it just didn't work out. And you know their margin of victory, I think, is is tells the tale. They had a good stretch where they blew some teams out. I think they got a huge win. I'm trying to think of who it was against. An Illinois blowout. That's what it was. But ever since then, they, it's... They, they won at Illinois. That was the high tide, and I'm off them. I'm sorry. Mm. I think they're overvalued. Okay, let's finish up here. Mid-majors. Tell me what you're seeing. Both of you two. I mean, I, I know you guys oh. live, breathe, and oh, speak man, you... this. Gus, Mike, you're Mike, do you Do you want to go first? Oh, man, I don't know if I have anything left to, to give these loyal listeners of yours. I got one, maybe. I got one. He I wants can to talk about New Mexico State. Here. He really wants to talk yeah. about New Mexico State, but you go first, Gus. Okay. Well, <laughs> if we're going to talk mid-majors, then there's no other game to discuss than Murray State in San Francisco. Oh, yes. Okay. So, yes. gentlemen, quick question <laughs> right off the bat. If I was going to ask you or the listeners out there, who shoots it better from three, Murray State or San Francisco? You would automatically think what? I mean, I would well, think San Francisco. Unfortunately, I've watched too much San Francisco basketball, Gus, and I'm, I think they're <laughs> the fraud of the tournament. They have BYU wins as their resume builders, and you know what? Guess who's not in the dance? BYU, 0-2 against Barry's, blown up by Gonzaga twice. Yep. I, I think San Francisco's the fraud. I'm sorry. So I, I would say Murray State, but the public would say San Francisco. I think uh, me, public, public, me, public, me say San Francisco. <laughs> both, both teams shoot at 35% and change wow. from three. So wow. Murray State is just as lethal, 
from deep as you know San Francisco is, and that's you know you would traditionally think that's one of their one of their fine weapons. And if we're gonna mm-hmm. pay attention to like players, and this is like where I like to dig in a little bit, you know, KJ Williams is six ten. He can shoot threes. He's an impactful player on both ends of the floor for Murray State. And then Tevin Brown. Tevin Brown's getting some NBA looks. I mean, I know that yeah. I know the San Francisco guards are as well, but he's six five, shoot it's 30, 39% from three, can score at all three levels. I think that this is like a talent mismatch. And mm-hmm. I really like Murray State here uh, for a number of different reasons. But I think just for the player reasons, and maybe people are thinking like, oh, well, San Francisco will stay in it with their three-point shooting. Guess what? Murray State's going to match them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. Oh man. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, Luke, you told me maybe a day or two ago that was your, that's going to be a blowout for you. I mean, you I just see so, Murray yeah. State absolutely mm-hmm. running away. Yeah. You've seen yeah. too much though. You've seen too, too much have. San Francisco. They don't defend. You spend too much time on the West coast conference. Yeah. They don't guard. Oh man. A lot of late nights out there. For yeah, you. Th- for you. I just enjoy going against golden as well. So that's another yeah, part of me. That's maybe right. that's a vendetta that I should get rid of. But. Um, I guess mine, you know, one team that, you know, I just really respect. I don't know if they're going to win this game, but I really respect what Boise State has done this year. You know, I mean, they came out, they won the conference regular season. They they showed out, they won the um, their conference tournament. You know, they get a tough draw here against Memphis. You know, I think it's going to be a tough game for them. But it's a team that I, I really think is a highly talented team. I wish they had a different matchup. You know, I, I think a big part of their um, turnaround here towards the end of the season, even though they've been great all year, um, has been their freshman, Tyson. Degenhardt. Yeah, Degenhardt. I mean, he <laughs> I love he you guys is, so much. <laughs> You're the best. He is the, Just out of nowhere. He, no hesitation whatsoever. Everything. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> he's been the X factor for them. You know, he's got size. He's, he's, he seems like he should be playing in maybe the big 12 or something, you know, he's, he's a six, seven guard who slashes, gets rebounds. It's kind of a do everything guy for them. Um, and so that's a team to me, you know, that at least I respect enough now Memphis. I mean, I've, I've compared them often to, you know, like a passionate lover, you know, you like, you have them one night and they're great. And then you just, but you don't want to live with them. You don't want to live with Memphis. Okay. That's, that's a recipe for disaster. They're all over the place. That so, you know, all. but Boise State, steady Eddie. I mean, I would put a ring on it for Boise State. So, you know, I just wanted Ooh. to acknowledge that before we uh, before we get off the pod. I really and appreciate I, what I, they did. I'll back the Boise State love here. You know, it, their point guard, Schaefer, has made a number of yeah. game-winning plays in the last minute, and they are yep. very comfortable in low-possession, low-scoring games. Like, they, they right. have pretty much existed their whole entire season within that construct. So anything mm-hmm. that they're going to see low-scoring – they're going to really enforce their will. And I think this, you know, if you're going to look at one thing for that Memphis game, maybe look at the under. The other thing I'll, I'll play devil's advocate with you here, Mike, is that um, it takes 70 points to beat Boise. Yeah. And uh, we've seen uh, we've seen Colorado State do that twice. And we've seen mm-hmm. uh, Wyoming do that once. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Thir- 11 out of the last 14 games, Memphis has put up over 70. Uh, there it is. That's the so, reason, you know, but I, you're I, tell- it, and that's that that's going to make it a great game for that particular reason, because Memphis, like, you know, like you mentioned, is playing a little hot. They, they have mm-hmm. they have something figured out. You know, maybe it's uh, addition by subtraction. No Imani Bates, that whole thing. But this right. game, that, that game is, is going to be live. I'm, I'm, it's going to be very competitive. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, just the beauty of the tournament, gentlemen. I mean, 
I, it's no, an it's, honor and a privilege I, every year. This is March. <laughs> I wouldn't break it down with anybody else. Gus, before we let you go, thanks so yeah. much for your time. We, we're going to have to run this back because I, I feel like this was a 20-minute conversation, but it's gone practically an hour. Tell us where we can find your stuff with Randall and Screen the Screener in general. Pl- plug everything for oh. the audience. Uh, great. Uh, please, you know, give us a follow on Twitter at SES Podcast Efficiency of Keystrokes. Of course, if you enjoy March Madness in your earbuds and in your speakers, go ahead and give us a, a follow on your podcast consumption vehicle of choice. Uh, we, we, you know, subscribe. We leave a nice review. Kindness is always cool. And Mike and I have had a unique opportunity. And our last podcast that we recorded is over at Betting Pros. Great. So if you're yeah. looking oh, cool. for a little further content, um, the, the, I don't know, the, the stars aligned and we happen to do it there as opposed to our normal uh, package. So go check out Betting Pros. Um, you'll find Mike and I there for a breakdown. And he has a couple of other podcasts and a couple of other items that you want to take a look at there. He is locked up and all over this. Like, it's hard to get in touch with him. He's so busy. <laughs> We're there. That, that's oh, our destination. Gus, it's always a pleasure. Uh, Vegas Mike, I, I will probably see you in some type of book in the next uh, couple of days. So <laughs> we'll enjoy it all. See ya. Cheers. Salatra. Grazie, everybody.